Hello, and welcome to the Practical Shaman Podcast. My name is Renee Barabo, and today I have a very interesting guest with us. His name is Howard Charing. And did I say that right? You said it perfectly. Thank you. Perfect. And over the last 30 years, he's become acknowledged as an international workshop leader on shamanism. He's an author and a visionary artist. For over 20 years, he's worked with some of the most respected and extraordinary shamans and elders in the Andes, the Amazon rainforest, and the Philippines. He has run trainings and development courses on behalf of the prestigious Foundation for Shamanic Studies, and for many years worked with Eagles Wing Center for Contemporary Shamanism, one of the foremost training organizations in Europe. He is also qualified as a pre-birth therapist and a whole self at the Whole Self Institute. And he um, was born in London and lived in the Netherlands, the US and Peru and is now in Romania. And he was in the computer industry. So that would be a nice conversation for how you went from computers to ayahuasca. That was kind of a curious subject. And he's written many, many books. The Amazon's Angels Oracle, which is what we're here to talk about. This is his new book. But I'd love to hear about a little bit more about the ayahuasca visions of Pablo Amaringo, the accidental shaman, and plant spirit shamanism. And he and it's something about your visionary artist, which I think we can see right behind us. So Well, this works in progress, yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Thank How you. are you today? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on your show, by the way. Oh, it's really great. I and and I I used your um your deck before we'd really even gotten a chance to speak on there like I think I'm going to pull one of these cars and it was like a it was like a welcome surprise because I get you know invited to interview a lot of people and 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 they're like wow these cards are really special and I say that because you know I've been looking to do the wind spirit deck for a long time and when I opened up your cards I they just really spoke to me in a way that a lot of cards don't speak to me so tell me about the one that I pulled today. Oh, that's Takshak Shila. He's the angel of the mineral realm. And um, what well, he, he's, he's, he's a very interesting angel because we're going through a time now in the past 120 years when the mineral realm and humanity are becoming closer and closer. And uh, I talk about this in the actual narrative of the angel before I give the reading. But we're in a time right now that uh, well, we're talking on computers. That's all done by... Uh, by crystalline silicon, the whole thing we can communicate with, the whole thing that's changing humanity, the phones, uh, the internet and so on, all runs on minerals. And uh, so going through this time, there's a, a fusion between humanity and the mineral realm. And, um, and in this, uh, in this uh, car, we d discuss one of the things that us as, as a culture, we tend to see minerals, rocks, crystals, and so on as inorganic, as in inanimate, but they are the first stage of the life force of spirit entering the material realm. Everything depends on the minerals, the plants, animals, and humans. In fact, our bodies are dependent on 40 to 50 different types of minerals. So minerals are a part of our lives, but now we're starting to move even closer. When you read about the transhumanist movement, which is a fusion of uh, computer technology and human brains and so on with the idea guys like uh, elon musk they've been talking about this the idea is to uh, upload your consciousness to the cloud 
and <laughs> you'll be you'll you'll live forever. I mean, this is not just um, it was a fantasy, that science fiction fantasy, but now people were spending billions of dollars in research on this transhumanism thing, implanting chips in people. That's going to happen. It happens in some countries, implant chips and so on. So the the mineral realm and 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 the um, and humanity are, are coming closer and closer, and um, it's a new a new step in our evolution as as as, as a species. So, and Takshir Schiller um, really talks about this. And um, if you if you take the card and you have the, there's two readings per per per, uh, per angel, so in total there's sixty six readings. I liked that about that, 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 that there was more that like that I could start in one place and go to another place. You just said something really interesting about, you know, Elon Musk and, and uploading consciousness into the cloud. Haven't the shamans been doing that forever? Well, I mean, the, the terminology is different. The, we don't have, the word cloud is, is uh, yeah, of course, of course, uh, shamans are through various practices and so on. And, and not just shamans, but people, people these days participating in various uh, plant ceremonies, uh, ayahuasca and so on and so forth, are able to connect to a higher, different level of consciousness. And that can happen through a shamanic journey or other meditative technique. But one of the things with, with, the, with the mineral realm is that um, it's, uh, it's, it's a part of an individual kind of spiritual renaissance with people people are fine the angel oracle is, is is symbolic of this uh many many years ago i think back in the 70s people started to they started to produce uh, oracle decks and so on and people become more interested in the tarot and divination and um so it's a movement away from organized institutional religions and spiritual groups to a much more personal thing and this is and the angel oracle what we're talking about here is part of this as well so it's so, a big movement you know and, and this is part of it so tell me what brought you to putting it together in a, a 33 cards and 66 readings what what inspired that movement for you well yeah well um i worked with pablo Moringa for many years i did the book the ayahuasca visions of pablo Moringa. it's a very very Big beautiful book with gorgeous pictures in there, and lovely narratives and stories. And about five, six years ago, I was visiting his family. Pablo died in 2009. I was visiting his family about five years ago, and I came across um, some Pablo sketches. You know, he did sketches and, and studies before he did. He put them in the main paintings, and he has some beautiful sketches of angels. And I thought, wouldn't mm. it be nice to, to work with these angels? I had a nice feeling about this. And although there's no original artwork by Pablo in the book, he certainly gave that inspiration and it was uh so i came back five years ago yeah five six years ago sorry and um i started made a few narratives i had a few angels uh, drawn up by the graphics people and so on and then i did other things it sat in a box literally on a shelf and then comes the pandemic you know and um and, uh, and i'm in lockdown i can't go anywhere and I got back from Peru. It took me three-ish ticket, flight tickets to get back. I returned back, and um, I do a shamanic divination journey to find out how long this is going to go on for. When will my life return back to normal? And and the information was uh, October 2021, and this is in March 2020. So I thought, oh my God, I've got to do something. I mean, I'll, I'll, go, I'll, go, I'll go bonkers, you know. And uh, that night, that night, I had a dream, and the dream was like a, an angel, and he just smiled and said. Now's the time. And I knew exactly what it was. And the following morning, I got up, took the box from the shelf and blew the dust off, literally. And um, 
and that's how I started. So I'm, I, I'm very appreciative, you know, of of the lockdowns and all the things associated. Otherwise, I would never have done it. So it's it's a, it's a it's a gift from the pandemic. I can say that. Hmm. It's funny. Some people during the pandemic got all of this time to create and explore, and then some of us got doubled down on the workload. Like I have not stopped. You know, there was never a break. So how lucky for you that you got that time to do that. How did you find your way from computers to shamanism and being uh, in Peru and all of that? Well, I, back in 1984, I was in an elevator crash and I broke my neck and suffered severe injuries. And then during this uh, this accident, I had a near-death experience and that, that, that everything changed from there. I was out of action. I was laid up for about 18 months. But my life had really changed. All sorts of mystical and strange uh, things were happening around me. It was it was uh, very difficult. I didn't understand it, what was going on. I knew it, it was real, but I didn't know what it was. And much later, I discovered it was shamanism. And that's what drew me to that. But it was the accident that really changed my life in the elevator. So um, so I can say, you know, that was some, you know, nearly 40 years ago. So I, I can say my life changed. It was a pivotal moment in my life there's a howard before and there's a howard after but the, the accident in the elevator was was uh was the was key to it yeah well i have a question so were those things happening before and you weren't listening and it took the elevator crash to get you to listen or uh was it the elevator crash was the impetus the elevator crash was the impetus i was definitely in a different kind of frame of mind i was uh more materialistic material kind of kind of kind of orientated and so on career orientated but the elevator crash was a was a, was a catastrophe at the time i mean i was being very fit and sporty and i couldn't even stand up couldn't support the weight of my head on my shoulders anything like this i was it was very very painful as well i was in pain for months and months and months but um things happened and things uh magical things happened and which i describe in in the book the accidental shaman i give the, my story how it happens and so on so it was the near-death experience that um, I, I was gone. I was—I mean, I was—I wasn't—I was—I was gone somewhere else. You know, I was somewhere else completely. And then I, I thought um, I realized no, I want to—I want to live. I really want to live. You know, then I'm I'm back again, back in my body. And this isn't the elevator that's crashing at uh, terminal velocity, eleven point seven meters a mm. second. But time stopped. Time right. completely stopped. And uh, I tried all sorts of things. Well, if I jump up in the air, I'll be in the air. But of course, you can't move up because you're in gravity, full free fall as well. And then <clears throat> I just knew exactly what I had to do, precisely. I took my bag of tissues and put them on my mouth like this. And I got on my haunches. And as soon as I had done that, the, the lift, the usual time was restored. And the lift smashed into below the basement. If I hadn't had the tissues in my mouth, my tongue would have been chopped off because the first thing was my jaw smashed against my upper jaw. If my tongue was anywhere near that, I would have lost the tongue. And uh, by going into a crouch position, I kind of my body absorbed the shock, even though it was uh, devastating. But if I just stood up, I would have been uh, tongueless and, and dead at the same time. So that alone was a magical experience. And uh, it took it took a long time, a long time for me to kind of physically recover, emotionally recover, because I became zombie-like for a long time. You know, just uh, I was there, but I was just sitting by the window looking at leaves fall from trees and things. 
but some magical things did happen to me and they shifted everything. And I think the key for me, the key thing uh, which really shifted, lifted the weight, a huge weight from me was forgiveness. When I forgave the, the elevator engineers for um, doing maintenance on the lift that system without shutting it down because uh, they were doing some maintenance on the lift. Oh, on dear. The elevator. Yeah, so, but I was really angry about that. But when I forgave, it felt like 10 times of weight lifted from me. And then things started to happen. I started to see things. I started to perceive kind of a, a another reality. So it was the forgiveness that lifted this cloud from me. And uh, the things changed from there. So, uh, but that was the pivotal moment when, of my change, you know. Nearly 40 years ago, and that's been a long time. And the crazy thing is this. If if I knew then what would happen, even though the pain and change of my life, I think now, in hindsight, I would still step in that elevator. I'll still do it mm. because my life is changing ways which would never have been possible. And it's a beautiful thing that's happened. So, yeah, that's good. It's interesting. You're you're saying that you'd step back into that elevator. I was just wondering if you would get on in any, any elevator. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, had, I, had, I was very conscious of elevators after the accident, but uh, um, I'm okay now. I even stepped back in that same elevator as well later on. Just, just, oh, just, that must have been. Well, it was um, um, something I had to do, you know, so I just had to, to, to do that. It was okay. I think that's a really good, I think that's really good wisdom for people who, you know, that sometimes you do have to get back on that horse or that bicycle or whatever, the elevator, when, you know, but the, you, you mentioned something about the forgiveness. I mean, forgiveness is such a powerful act of grace. I mean, it's just, we, we sometimes, we don't understand that, that, that forgiveness is the key to happiness and everything else about our, our, our human experience most of the time it, it's so crucial is there a forgiveness angel in the book no there isn't no no oh that's interesting there, there's an angel of grace in there right well grace can so, do so and, and, that, and that touches on forgiveness and other topics but not an angel of forgiveness per se yeah yeah i guess maybe we don't need one we just need grace um did you uh so you so you've written other books and um so do you think that is this your finest work or how does this compare to your other books? What do you love about this book the most or this whole project? Cause it's more than a book. Yeah. It's uh, well, what I like about that particular project the cards and so on um, is the feeling of warmth from the cards. The cards have such a warmth. When I first opened mm -hmm. it up, I just felt the warmth. I felt something here open and that was such a nice feeling. But I have to say the ayahuasca visions of Pamaringo is is my magnus opus that's a huge book and it's a real testament a legacy to one of the most wonderful beautiful persons i've ever met in my life and uh, he was a master in the true sense of the word and i'm just very very happy that i've been able to uh, promote his legacy um bring his work into into a much larger audience um help to support his family as well so it's it's a uh, pablo and, and also the oracle oracle decks the the, the color palettes and the and 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 many of the ideas are based on Pablo's work, and uh, so there is a, a, a thread connecting Pablo Moringo to these cards as well. And one of the angels, I think the angel of trees, Atun Malka Caspi, is based on a story that Pablo told me many years ago. He told me a story when he was an apprentice, 
and uh, he was an ayahuasca uh, ceremony and and the spirit asked him do you know the difference between an old man and an old tree he, he didn't know and the spirit went on to explain the whole story what the old what the old tree is like a fortress a sanctuary to all forms of animals and life it serves the entire community plants animals insects everything and humans humans come to the, the tree they take their plants and the barks for medicinal purposes and he said that's what an old man is you know an old person uh, reaches towards becomes an elder their role is to support the community and um, that was such a beautiful story i mean i've just given you a synopsis of the story i mean it's such a lovely story but uh, that was a that was a an anecdote he told me you know and i remembered that anecdote. i wrote it down made little notes of it and i was just so happy i thought yeah this is a great story a fabulous beautiful piece of wisdom and it's, it's kind of um and so i managed i make the angel to go with the story so there is a very very strong link between pablo Moringo and this oracle deck and if i were to uh and I worked with uh, two two artists. One one person did the graphic, put into computer graphics from sketches, and another guy did the um, the coloring. So if I put some of these cards against Pablo's paintings, you'll see the color palette is really matching. It's very beautiful. No, the the colors are. I mean, what you talked about was that feeling when you opened them. Again, I, I like opened it, and I'm like, oh. And, and and when I started to look at them, it was like they came alive, and and that is like such a a true testimony of the the energy that can be transpired, you know, transferred with something that's really done in that alignment with spirit. So I, I felt that in your cards, and and that's yeah. why I wanted uh, to interview you. That's lovely because I mean I had that same feeling when I opened when I opened up the deck for the first time. I, and, I was just struck by the warmth. I received from those cards, those images. They, they're absolutely stunning, all of them. I, I really highly recommend everyone uh, order a set of these. Let me show you the box so you can see them. And they're available everywhere. So, yeah. Okay. The I have a question that's a little bit off topic, but it's relevant. That the um, I work in a behavioral health care organization and. You know, there's a real big movement now to do the the plant medicines in many of them for uh, mental health and uh, addiction and things like that. Well, how do you feel about that? Well, it's it's how the plants are coming into the West. I mean, for me, it's been I've been going to where it comes from and participating in in, a, in that kind of ceremonial work from their perspective, and. Uh, but it's uh, understandable that the plant medicines will reach out to to the, the Western mind and, and help us as well. So there is a real convergence of plant consciousness and human consciousness. The times are changing. They are really are changing. We talk, I was talking about um, uh, mineral realms and now we've got the plant realm. Everything in some respect is coming closer together and that's just going to shift, change, transform humanity. It's take, it takes many, many years, but it's already happening. We're seeing it with our own eyes. Yeah, because it's kind of, I mean, you know, I guess I've had a little bit of a judgment around it being that, you know, that I had to travel so far for my spiritual, you know, my spiritual help. And that now, I mean, I'm very pleased that these young psychiatrists are more open to it than they than they were, you know, 30 some years ago when I needed psychiatric help. But I'm also concerned about whether or not we're taking, and you just kind of answered that a little bit whether or not we're taking this, the, you know, the, the, the shaman who gave you the medicine, who was there 
facilitating and holding space, but you just said something about the plant consciousness that I hadn't really been thinking about that the plant has a consciousness and Absolutely. whether or not the, the psychiatrist is giving it to it, exploring it, the plant itself has the relationship with the, the patient. Yeah, well, I mean, also I want to say something else as well. It's, I mean, people say, oh, the ayahuasca is going to cure me. Ayahuasca is not going to cure you. Mm -hmm. Ayahuasca is going to open you up to show you, to release, to reveal that which is stopping you from being healed. It's, it's like it's, a, it's an agent. It's a catalyst for change. It's not doing the healing. You're doing the healing or the spiritual mm -hmm. energies around doing the healing. But the plant is a catalyst. It opens you up to what is blocking you, what is the problem, what is... Uh, but you still have to deal with this, and the plant really helps to for a person to purge it or to clear it and to shift it and so on. So um, and that's not just with hallucinogenic plants. A lot of other plants uh, you can work with in the Amazon, for example, plant diets, and these plants are very, very powerful, and they're not going to... Um... Well, let me tell you a story. So um, I'm in the jungle, and I'm dieting plants, and I diet this plant. Um, I forget the name of it now, but uh, it's colloquially known as the Zen plant. And the idea is this plant... You diet it for four or five to six days. You don't have you have very little food, you know, so the plant and you meld, you just spend time with the plant. And the idea is that's gonna make you relax, zen-like, meditative. I thought that sounds nice, I'll give that a try. <laughs> what happened? What happened? All hell let loose. <laughs> you know, I, I was angry, furious, raging, because I didn't like the way the plant was working. And and um it's like the plant was trying to kind of uh, sedate, kind of sedate me, and I didn't like that feeling. And um, of course, the lesson I learned was the plant showed me what <laughs> stopped me from achieving that Zen-like meditative place. It was kind of a funny thing, but uh, but um, it sometimes uh, it shows you what's needed to change. It helps you to shift what needs to change, but you still do the change. You still do the work. It's not it's not a magic bullet. It's not like a pharmaceutical, which pharmaceutical changes you. No, the plant allows you to make that change. There's a very, very big difference between, um, so shall we say, kind of a psychiatric medicine and natural plant medicine. So, yeah, there's a big learning curve, and there's some very good people who are working with this, and, and some very smart people who have got new insights and things. So I'm very, very optimistic this is going to be done very correctly. And it needs to be done correctly. It's not something that you give hallucinogenic to somebody let them get on with it no you've got to be look take care of them you've got to sit with them you've got to help them get through their difficulties and so on help them to integrate it and analyze it so yeah but i don't do that i mean i, I just go go with the thing go to the jungle and do it but um, i think it's got a great future and i think it can help a lot of people and it, and it really is i mean a lot of people who suffer from ptsd are finding a huge amount of benefit with the ayahuasca and, and so on so yeah so do you still go to the jungle a lot and, and work with plant well, medicines? Yeah, I, I still do. I haven't been for a, a couple of years because of the COVID thing, because the COVID thing, and you know, I don't want to go quarantine. I don't have all the all the, all the, the paraphernalia and all that kind of stuff, you know. But I plan to go, I think, uh, in a couple months' time, I'll be going for a while. Nice. Now things are easier, you know, so. Um, yeah, yeah, it seems to be opening it's, back up. Yeah, it's starting to open up again. And, uh, and, uh, Travel's become a lot easier than it was like last year. Um, yes, yeah, so I plan to resume that. Uh, it's more of like I'm following the call. I'm, it's not like, oh, yeah, I must go and do this. It's like, yeah, I feel drawn to it. I think that's the best thing to say. I understand that. There Recently, some, a piece of work came up, and I thought, like, huh, it might be time to, to visit the medicine again. And, and you know, because 
to me, it's always been a process where you do the medicine and then, like you said, you do the work, you know, there's always like that. And, and recently, like the medicine just showed up in the living room, I was lying on a bed up in in my new bedroom. And all of a sudden, it was like, wow, I was just transported somewhere. This is kind of, I mean, because we forget that it's, it's a relationship that continues. And it's not just a one and done. So tell me, my other last question is, is like, how would you suggest that it would be best for people to work with this deck of yours? Well, it's an oracle. So when you when you work with any oracle, any divinatory uh, um, method, you have to have an issue or a question. I mean, you don't have to, but but that's the purpose. You have an issue, a problem, and you want some insight. You want some kind of a different perspective, maybe more philosophical. You want to know why is this happening? What's going on? Where can it go? What's stopping me? All these kind of questions and so on and so forth. And you ask an oracle. The oracles go back thousands of years. I mean, go back to to ancient Greece, other uh, ancient civilizations. All had oracles. So it's the same principle. It's not about telling the future. It's about taking understanding of the circumstances that you're experiencing, and why you're experiencing it, and what you can do. An oracle. So you have a question or an issue. You bring to the oracle in your mind. You maybe speak it out. You do a, a, a card spread, or you take out one card. Um, and you'll, you'll find you'll get some kind of reflection that's going to help you, even just a few words. I mean, I know so many people who have got so much benefit from these kind of tarot and oracle and divina- divination. Myself as well. It's not just other people, me too. So, And um, even a couple of instances when I was doing this, uh, making this thing, I had a couple of things come up. And uh, I thought, well, I'll, I'll ask the oracle. And I, there were no cards then. There were just, I was on my computer, so I closed my eyes and wisdom else button up and down and click mm-hmm. and it was just a perfect perfect uh, um message for me you know it was just a beautiful message and it really made it, and it really changed something so um that's how you approach an oracle yeah so i have a book wins of spirit and in the back there's 32 wind gods and goddesses uh, and you know it's the same thing is sometimes when i was writing the book i would just i would I'd have a question about the writing and I would pull a, a wind spirit. They were on slips of paper at that point, And it would be like, okay, like, Oh, I'm going to leave this wind out. And it's like, that's the next wind I'd pull or something like that. So I totally understand. I totally relate with what you're saying on that. So tell us about how people can reach you and how, if they want to learn more about your work, where, yeah, where well, do we find you? I've got, I've got a website. Um, I've got angels and other books and, and workshops and links and so on and so forth. It's www.hgcharing.com. Okay. And I'll put that in the, uh, the below here when you're looking at YouTube. The links will be in the description as well. That'd be fantastic. I look forward to seeing the link as well. Thank you. Look All right. And thank you so much for taking your time today and for, for taking the time during that, that period to, to put this together because it's really, it's really beautiful. And for those who are listening, I would I would highly recommend this Amazonian Angel Oracle. It's it's probably one of the first oracles that I've seen in a while that I would really say run out and buy. Thank you very much. It's a lovely message. Thank you. <laughs> well, look, thanks for inviting me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll talk again right soon. Now. Thank you. Okay. Bye, Renee. Bye.